There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Dea Lawrence. She is the Chief Marketing Officer at Variety, and Dea oversees a whole bunch of things, <laughs> including PR, media partnerships, creative communications, live media, virtual events, video development, and custom content at Variety. She's responsible for growing the company through product development, pricing, advertising, promotion of all of those products, including podcasts and new TV shows that they're working on. It's not every day you get to talk to a CMO that is both a prior actor on the stage and in other formats, and now is a CMO for one of the most notable names in media publishing variety. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dea Lauren. Dea, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's literally not every day that I get to talk to a CMO that is also has a previous acting career. So, ah, I'm the first. You are. The, I, that's hard to imagine in Los Angeles. There must be so many of well, them. Well, I've had I've had CMOs that have been like mascots or like dressed up in weird suits, but never never actually acted. You know, in a legitimate <laughs> way. <laughs> in the legitimate theater. Yes, I think. exactly. And I, I hear you were the star in Vampire Lesbians of Sodom. And 
I was. I didn't even know what that was. I had to Google it. Well, I was the star of Vampire Lesbians of Sodom, which is always a conversation starter. That is not the only thing I did. I don't want to be defined by being the star. But it was a, uh, just, just very briefly, Vampire Lesbians of Sodom was a hit off-Broadway show. It ran for five years in New York. And I was the lead the last year and a half of the run. And uh, I had worked previously with Charles Bush, who is the playwright and star of the show. And I was off-Broadway with him in Psycho Beach Party. I did You Should Be So Lucky in Regional Theater. I did a number of other things with him. But that was one of many things that I did, working in the theater and commercials and guest starring on television and independent films. And then I also had a sketch comedy show called White House Chicks. It was a political sketch show that we did at various clubs in Los Angeles. I love that. And and we will link to your IMDB profile so people can see all the things that you've done. <laughs> uh, or at least the, at least the screen versions that's, of things that you've done. That's the screener. Yeah. That's not the theater. I did a lot of theater. But yes. Okay, sure. I'm sure that'll be fascinating. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think other CMOs, they've just got to step up their game, you know, like. Yes, they do. <laughs> I'll tell you, it does come in handy because I am recording now. Clients are asking me to record the podcast commercials that they buy from us. So I'm doing all of that <laughs> as part of the buy. They get me to read the commercials. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. A voice, a voice actress as well. Uh, so, well, what was your career? How did you go from actor to CMO? Like, tell me what happened in between there. So uh, it, it was very gradual. But essentially, when I was an actor, I always did something else on the side. Unlike some of my other actor friends, when they were in shows, they only did the show. I liked to shop and I always wanted more money. So I was very involved in also having some other business on the side. So I was the head of sales at 60 East 88th Street selling real estate. I worked at uh, in a number of department stores. I used to work as a makeup artist, and I did all kinds of selling on the side. So when I came to Los Angeles, I had to kind of start over again. I, I had mostly worked in the theater. And I, I got a job just for a couple of weeks working at a place called the Hollywood Creative Directory. And basically, I went in and started getting very involved in their business in terms of how they could make it a larger business, how I thought the Hollywood Creative Directory was essentially a who's who of people and producers in Hollywood. So a lot of screenwriters would buy these directories. And I thought, this is the key to Hollywood. A lot of people want those keys. Let's make it a national. Let's get it in bookstores all over the country. Let's make it bigger. And I helped the person who started this really grow his business. And the deal was, I'll keep working for you as long as I can go on auditions and take time off and do shows. And if I can't come in next Tuesday because I'm shooting something, it's got to be okay. And he not only did he say it's okay, he was also a filmmaker and he gave me the lead in one of his films, which sold. So it was a great relationship and we had a really good partnership. And that's how I learned about digital marketing and the internet. <laughs> this was at the start of the World Wide Web. We had a database that we digitized and put online. And I learned a lot about digital marketing. And the company sold to iFilm. 
I was out of town doing an Alan Akeborn play. And at the time, the stock market crashed. I had a lot of money invested and I was going to be done with on the side. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to work as an actor now. I don't really need to do anything else. And then what I thought was a bad luck hit turned out to be great luck. I went to iFilm and they made me the director of marketing because I had to keep working. <laughs> and and that was so fortuitous for me because I was able to learn even more from you know, they had assembled a team of experts across the digital marketplace. I learned so much from the people that worked there. And from there, that is how I was still working as an actor, still, you know, going out on auditions and, and balancing both. And eventually, I became so uh, submerged in my digital career that I started letting the acting career go. So I think the last television show I did was in 2013. But I, I came to Variety. This is my second time at Variety. First time because iFilm had acquired the Hollywood Creative Directory and Variety wanted to acquire it. And they lost out. So they started creating their own product that was very similar. So they became a competitor. So I started watching them to, you know, I will always watch the competition to see what they're doing. And then when iFilm started falling apart, because we had acquired like seven different businesses and there were many reasons. It was too bad because we really had a brilliant idea, which is to upload user-generated video content on the internet. Of course, YouTube got that right. I just ran into Kevin Wendell, who was the founder of iFilm at his, he owns Hotel Esencia in Mexico. And I went there for a wedding and he was there and I thanked him for giving me really this enormous opportunity that really blew open a whole other career for me. And he said, oh, we could have been billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we could have if we only got it right. And, you know, there were streaming issues at the time. Just ahead of your time from a technology standpoint. Exactly. But learned so much. And then I basically cold called Variety. So I'm a big believer in cold calling, which is how I got my real estate job in New York cold call people. And I basically said to them, I've been spying on you. And I, I think you're making some strategical mistakes. <laughs> also, being an actor has given me a lot of confidence. Should we say confidence? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm not so afraid if someone rejects me from the marketing and sales world. <laughs> I don't, I didn't really care. So I thought, I'm just going to tell them but I'm going to talk them into seeing me on the phone, which I was able to. And then I created a marketing and sales strategy plan for them. And I went in, you know, I took a risk because they could have just taken the plan and not hired me. But it paid off. I went in and I said, I think this is what you should do. And I laid it all out for them. And they hired me the next day. They found a way to bring me in and still let me go out on audition. That's amazing. And then eventually... I started becoming more and more involved, and that's how I built my second career. So what I always say to people when they're building, when you want to change your career, do it on the side. Always have something going. So you, so you got to kind of do two things at once until you are really, in, you know, really secure in your new profession. I would never say to someone, quit your job and just go and try and do something else. You know, obviously, that is very risky. I'm curious, like you, you mentioned confidence is one thing that, that acting has 
prepared you for the business world? Like what, any other things that come to mind that you learned starting off as an actor that still applies to business? So much, so much. So first of all, I took so many classes on how to do an interview, right? Because actors are always either you're auditioning or you're on go-sees or you're interviewing. You know, how do you, how do you excel and make sure someone remembers you in an interview? So that really helped me in terms of when I was on job interviews. I, I think that for the most part, I would always tend to, to get called back for, for job interviews in this new career. And I, it helped me be a, a much better presenter in the room. I'm not afraid to stand up in front of a room and present. And I think that's very important. And I, I think those two things really helped me. Also, mostly what what I think being an actor, what, what that career prepared me for in sales is I can deal with rejection. I used to get rejected personally. And now you're just telling me you don't want to buy an ad in, you know, you don't want to buy an AT&T mobile ad. Okay. Well, I must not have presented that correctly to you because you're not getting the value. It, it's not me they're rejecting. It's the product. So that all helped. And being able to read a room, I think, is also really important. Like sometimes I'll tell when I was managing salespeople, look around the room. Are they engaged? Who's paying attention? Who is the decision maker in the room? Are they distracted? Try and get their attention. Bring them back. That all helped me, I think. It did help me in a, in sort of a roundabout way. Hearing you describe this, it made me remember, I had forgotten this, but in my business school, I got my MBA and uh, they actually had an improv instructor come and teach us a class uh, or two, like it was a whole couple of sessions. Um, but it was fascinating just to that little bit. I mean, I'm no improv expert by any stretch of the imagination, but like just the the mentality of being able to go with the flow to ebb and flow. And anyway, it, there's many lessons to it, frankly. Many. And also think on your feet really fast and come back with, you know, how to overcome an objection very, very quickly. And I think all of it is, is extremely valuable. And I also say, I've said this so many times, dress the part. Whenever I was going on an audition, I had to look like the character I was auditioning for. So many times when people come into interviews, you know, like I'll, I'll give Variety as an example. Variety is a very glamorous brand. It's sophisticated. It's elegant. It's, and it's also fresh and young and it's so many things, but you got to keep that in mind when we're interviewing people. Like we want people that, you know, have an, a shirt that's on it. Small. We'll start small. Just die in your shirt. Right. Okay. <laughs> they need to be a brand ambassadors. They need to, you know. Yes, everybody does. Everybody has to know their brand. And does it match the brand that you want to work for? Let's talk a little bit about variety. Um, how do you describe what it is? I mean, it's it's you're in the publishing business. You've got digital content, podcasts. You've got events business. Like, how do you talk about it? We're content creators. We're a media company. Right. So we, we're creating content across multiple platforms. We have digital, we have podcasts, we have print, and we have a very, very successful events business. We've been enormously successful with, with our events. And we also have a content studio creating branded content and also managing our sponsored editorials. So those two areas have had enormous growth. Sponsored edit, branded content. With it under the umbrella of the Variety Content Studio, and then our events business. 
we produce over 70 live events in non-pandemic years. And since the pandemic, we produced now over 160 virtual events. We we're doing, we have a, a variety streaming room where we're streaming content, like mostly interviews with casts from films or Emmy contending television shows. And now we're moving into film awards season. And on top of that, we have our specialty events. And we've got five of them, five big events between now and October 12th. One of them being our Power of Women event. It's usually a luncheon, but because of the pandemic, we're going back. It's our first big live event since February of 2020. And, you know, it's had its own unique challenge trying to produce a live event. Well, let's... uh... Talk about virtual events and the pivot during, you know, from live to to virtual. Like, what did you learn in that process? I mean, one, it had to be a little scary to go from, you know, traditionally 70 live events to now you've completed 160 virtual ones. But like, what was the thought process? (laughs) Well, first of all, we didn't know it was going to be 160 (laughs) virtual events. We thought, oh, we'll do this a couple times. We'll see how it goes until, you know, we'll do it for a few months and then we'll get back and... We kept saying June will be back and we kept pushing it. So one of the reasons why I love working at Variety is because we move so fast and we are very nimble, an incredibly dedicated group of people that simply love this brand and we act, you know, we, we think strategically and then we act on it. So as soon as the pandemic hit, I think the best decision we made was not to hesitate. We saw this is a pandemic. Look what happened the last time there was a pandemic. It lasted for years. This could last for months. That's what we were thinking. We have to save this revenue. Quickly, let's go to a virtual event strategy. Let's just do it. So we were fortunate in that our parent company had someone on staff that had been trying to get everyone to do more webinars, what they were calling them. And we we didn't really want to do them because we thought it would cannibalize our live events business. And so that's one of the lessons we learned is that it will not. And when we we did this with, we started with BritBox, I believe was our, our first virtual event. And we also did, we partnered with Mill Valley and we did something around their documentary filmmakers. They couldn't do their event. And we said, well, you come with us and we'll do it all virtually. But BritBox was our first partner. And the audience just came right away and stayed. And then we just kept refining and perfecting. And we met with so many different vendors. And vendor selection process was, I would say, that was a hurdle until we could really identify. We picked three or four vendors. We had just a handful that we decided to work with. And then we moved into doing much bigger events. So we went from having you know, 800 people tune in to signing up for one event, 155,000. So we have registered well over 200,000 people for our event, which is insane. When we were doing our live event, the largest event, we had 600 women. Most of the events, our breakfast, we'd have about 150 people and most of the other summits, because we do a lot of summits, we're divided between thought leadership summits and then these celebrity events. So our thought leadership summits had about 400, you know, 300 to 400 people would attend. 
and now on average it's thousands. So we've been able to bring in a whole new audience and grow our audience, grow the brand, keep the revenue going, bring in new advertisers. It's just been a win-win for everyone. Unfortunately, it's happened under really sad circumstances. That's true. I mean, I, I, uh, I mean, what, what a, a golden egg that came out of it, I guess, you know, like the fact that you've pivoted, it hasn't cannibalized anything. Are you planning to keep it? Yeah, we had planned to, we're back, we're going to do live events and we're all getting excited. <laughs> and we were getting so excited. And then we started planning all these live events and then we had to start changing them back to virtual. You know, we, I, I did say that while we will first to lead virtual, we don't necessarily want to be the first ones out of the gate on live. It's risk involved, but but we're we're very confident that we're going to pull off a beautiful Power of Women event, and it's going to be outside. It's going to be at night. It's one of the top events in Hollywood. It has a fabulous guest list. Many many people want to attend this. We had to cut the guest list down from five hundred to three hundred. So. We're, we're gonna, we have to, we just have to see what happens, right? We're waiting to see what happens. We're confident in what we're producing. We are asking for proof of vaccination, of course, and a negative COVID test within 72 hours. So that's how we're proceeding. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely changed the, the world, but I, I did watch, I think, one of your early streams with the cast of Ted Lasso, which I love that show. Yes. Oh, what a wonderful show. Yeah. And it was, I mean, I, I watched it. It was just fascinating one because like, I mean, it's, it's great to watch stuff on TV because it's, it's glitzy. It's It's glamorous, all that kind of stuff. But the funny thing about this is like you saw. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Each of the actors in their own environments... <laughs> You know, just without their fancy lights. Right, right. And, and and it was just kind of fun to to see them as, you know, the Brady Bunch boxes, if you will, like we all are used to now and, and them being themselves. So I enjoyed watching that one for sure. Um, it was is well done. And I, I think that was one of your early ones. So you guys, you did a really good pivot. Well, and, you know, we did have to go through the hurdle of like, I remember one of the earlier ones, we had a moderator forgot to plug in his computer and the battery died. <laughs> you know, people didn't have the right lighting. They, you, they forgot that you're, even though you, you think you're alone in your room, you still have to stay engaged looking. You have to have active listening when you're on camera. 
right? Actors know that, but sometimes some of the executives didn't know that. And like you keep telling them, you're on camera. Remember the camera is still on you. So there were certain hurdles, but we came up with best practices and we overcame that. And always, we always have to think of what are we going to do next that's new and different to beat the competition and keep our brand going. Going for 116 years. Let's talk a little bit about the job of CMO at Variety because it, I, from our last conversation, it doesn't look like a normal CEO, I'm a CMO job to me. So tell everybody about it. What do you do? Well, first of all, I'm in publishing, right? I'm not at a consumer brand. I'm in publishing, and Variety has been considered a trade publication, although we have a very large consumer audience. We have 22 million users. It, it is a brand that is known. So it is different than being the CMO of Burger King. <laughs> so what I am responsible for and my team, first of all, we're responsible for the events. I already said that. The Variety Content Studio and you know I created that with the executive editor of content, Steve Gatos. We built this from scratch and have developed a really great business which is all branded content, all the creative, all the developing the sales programs, what products are we going to take to market, especially around our four-year consideration business, which is a good piece of Variety's business. It's campaigning for awards is something that is unique to the entertainment industry, right? Campaigning for an Emmy, campaigning for an Oscar. Sadly, the Golden Globe is much of a player this year. So, and developing those products, how we're going to take those products to market, overseeing all the, you know, the creations of the PowerPoints and the, all the sales collateral, all of the advertising. And then, of course, the PR and the communication strategy. How do we get everybody more notice for our, our ed- editors and our writers? And how do we get them on television? How do we get them booked? And how do we get the content syndicated out there so that more people are reading it? Let's talk about the content studio because, I mean, branded content is starting to take off for everyone, it feels like. Tell me about that. So it's really, really taking off. And we have sort of a two-pronged strategy here. One is for our endemic advertisers around four-year consideration advertising. So what can we create in video, in print, digital, social, that will get one movie or one television shows capture the attention of those voters over the others. So I don't know how much your users know, uh, your, your listeners know about campaigning for an Oscar, but it's in phases, right? So there's, and the same thing with Emmys. There's phase one, which is anybody's game. Anybody can get nominated. How do you get, and that's, that's the big campaign piece happens in that phase one. How do you capture the eyes of the voters so that they will watch your movie, watch your TV show. That's the very first hurdle to get them to pay attention and watch the movie. So we did for one night in Miami, we did a a lot of custom content in print. We built a hub for them. We did a 20 minute piece, you know, examining all of the the real people and the actors behind them. Uh, It was a long form video. We've done shorter form video. We did a beautiful piece. Or parasite, looking at the set, and looking at the whole 
the artisans and the behind the scene piece of this. We've done for loving. We did a whole analysis, you know, a whole uh, retrospective on that time period when in the sixties, when I believe it was in the, the exact, but it was in the sixties when, when interracial couples were trying to have a legal marriage and what that meant and looking at the real characters. So we do a lot of that, right? We did a great piece on Green Book and we do feel, we, you know, we, we feel that we really helped position Green Book as a winner. And then we also have branded content for consumers. So that we have had a, a very, uh, we've had all different kinds of clients for that. The difference in the two is that for four-year consideration, we can get celebrities because it's promotion, right? So we're able to get celebrities to participate. With branded content, we would have to pay celebrities to participate, right? So, and, and we do pay sometimes influencers, but in, in generally speaking, we, we try to avoid paying talent to participate with, with what we're doing. We want it to be organic. So we've done auto advertisers and we've done Intel. We've created all kinds of different content for people that are trying to capture the attention, brands that are trying to capture the attention of people in the entertainment industry or those who are passionate about it. So we've done quite well in both areas. And we hired a VP of video, which made a big difference for, for us in helping someone to really put a strong video strategy in place, Alex Castro, who's tremendous. And we're creating more sponsored editorial series. We just launched The Take with Elizabeth Wagmeister and our awards editor film, Clayton Davis, where they take a look at you know their opinion on the, on the top news stories of the week. We have a series called Doc Dreams. We have all different kinds of series, but each one of these series has a sponsor. So that's been a good key to our success. I know you, I mean, besides all these video offerings, you're also driving headlong into podcast world too, my world. Yes, which is more challenging. It is, especially on the monetization side. I have to I have to admit, it's my side hustle. I know, I listen to so many podcasts and I always think, are these people making money? <laughs> not much, not much. Because it's hard to sell a podcast. I hate to admit that. So our strategy is always sell it and then build it, not build it and then sell it, right? We sell and build, we sell and build. So with the podcast, I was very confident that we were going to be able to sell these podcasts. And I felt that we needed them, right? We have to have them and, and people love them. So we did make a deal with iHeart. So we have iHeart is distributing our business podcast called Strictly Business. And we do sell our podcasts. We sell, we sell them as part of the FYC strategy. We do have consumer advertisers, but it is a lot. It requires more effort and you can't charge as much. Right. I know I, all too well. I know, <laughs> but it is a good format. And I, to your point, I think maybe once everyone starts commuting again, it will draw more attention again and uh, and be back on the... I mean, it's been growing from a listener standpoint for a while. I think it's just everyone's still trying to figure out the sponsor slash ad format that's going to work in that forum. You know, so we're all experimenting and trying to figure it out as we go. But to that end, you know, we're also developing television product. I don't want to talk too much about that because it's... Still in development? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, and we have to wait till it launches. I don't want to give, but 
one of the podcast ideas we had, we pitched to a network. It was a podcast and they're like, we want this as a series. So that was very encouraging. And I do think people will tend, I, I don't know if you can sell a serialized podcast more easily than you can an interview podcast, but I thought maybe that approach would, would work a little better. It might. I've just recently started listening to the seamless, I think it's seamless guys, uh, Jason Bateman and, um, oh my gosh, I can't, I'm blanking on the other two guys for some reason. Apologize guys, if you're listening, which I'm sure they're not, but, um, <laughs> you know, they, they do a fantastic job, you know, of doing interviews and, uh, and keeping it lively, but they're also celebrities in and of themselves. Right. We're, we're interviewing, uh, Rob Lowe has a podcast and he is one of the, uh, keynote along with Paris Hilton. She's also, you know, at our entertainment and technology summit. That's going to be interesting. Well, thanks for talking about variety and what you're up to and all the, I mean, you, you guys are, you're doing everything. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. I do want to say, I want to brag. I must brag about variety <laughs> because I'm so proud of variety. I love variety so much. We all do. Variety has achieved something quite miraculous which is in the year of when publishers are really struggling. I mean, you, you can see what's going on at Condé Nast, right? You know, magazines are in decline and they're struggling to figure out revenue. And we are still growing. You know, we have managed to figure out, we have managed a formula that works. Like our business model is really working. I don't, I, I shouldn't probably even brag about this because I don't want to curse. <laughs> right. I'm, gonna, I'm knocking on wood. Can you hear me knocking? But we're succeeding in, in an area where a lot of publishers are not succeeding. So it is interesting that there was that time where everybody wanted to work at Condé Nast. I remember the first time I worked at Variety, we would lose people to Condé. They all wanted to go be, work at Condé. And now, you know, we've got people from Condé who are dying to come work with us. So it's, turned itself or it's turned around it's a fascinating business and um you know I, i'd love to get to know we know you're have this actor past if you will and i'd love to get to know you a little bit more we we ask i tend to ask a series of questions to everybody that comes on and my favorite question to ask is has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today so that's a tough question but i will say <laughs> Because I've had so many, I've had a lot of different experiences, but as, as most people have, obviously. But there was one moment in my career that when I was going through this transition that really solidified it for me when I felt like, oh, I think I actually am an executive. <laughs> I think I'm no longer just doing this on the side. And that was, I was in a room with men, as I often you know, throughout my career, I was often the only woman in the room. That has changed. And I do want to say Variety is female-led. President's a woman. Editor's a woman. The co-editor-in-chief is a woman. The associate publisher's a woman. All the heads of sales are women. But that wasn't always the case, right? So I was in one of those rooms where I was the only woman. And there were all these men with their Harvard MBAs. Almost all of them had an MBA from a fancy school. And there was a moment where they were really struggling with this digital challenge. And they just stopped and turned to me 
and said, well, what do you think we should do? And I was like, what do I think? You went to Harvard while you were getting your MBA. I was running around in vampire lesbians of Sodom. What are you asking me this question for? And then I realized, oh, they really don't know what to do. They are truly, they're almost desperate <laughs> in this question. And I actually had an answer. And I thought, oh, this is valuable. I actually can solve a problem. And I have had no training in this area. And I have figured it out just by doing it. And I think that was a pivotal moment for me where I realized, you know, you, you really have to take this more seriously. You had them at that moment. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. What advice would you give your younger self if you're starting all over? Get an MBA. <laughs> That's the absolute advice. Get an MBA or go to law school, right? And then something I, I always, another piece of advice I would love to give my younger self, because I had opportunities when I was very young. I just ignored them because I was so focused on being an actor that only that was the only thing that was acceptable. If it wasn't an acting job, it was not acceptable. So I have told certainly my younger relatives and younger people I know, pay attention. Just pay attention to what is going on in your life. Pay attention to anything in front of you. Because sometimes we cannot see the opportunity that is right in front of us. I mean, you're living proof, too. You don't have to define yourself in one way, right? <laughs> Absolutely not. You don't have to define yourself in one, in one way. So, but, you know, you can't learn. You don't learn these things until you're almost being buried. Then you figure it all out. Retirement. I feel like retirement should be like something that happens in the middle of your life. And, and then you can continue to work. Yeah, you go back to work later. A couple finishing uh, marketing questions here. Like, what do you think marketers should be learning more about right now? Or what are you trying to learn more about? So what I'm focused on right now, what I'm trying to learn more about are NFTs and blockchain, and meta universe. And so I've, I'm trying to educate myself. And uh, I've spoken to some experts in the industry. I've spoken to some companies. I've listened to podcasts. I just, li I, I listened to Scott Galloway and he just did a really good, I love Scott Galloway. Who doesn't love Scott Galloway? Yeah. So I listened to that. I'm going to have to listen to it again, but I'm trying to figure out and we're about to announce something. Well, we've already actually put it in a, a press release. So at our Power of Women event, we are going to be gifting the uh, uh, honorees. Each honoree is going to get a gift of an NFT of their cover. Each, each honoree, we have five honorees, receives they get a cover on variety. And then our guests are all going to receive an NFT of the invitation. So this is how we're going to launch our NFTs. Toe in the water. We're just starting to get into this space. And so that's what I'm trying to learn more about. Two more questions. Are there brands, companies, or causes that you're following right now or think other people should take notice of? You know, I follow Scott. So I think that He's a force and a brand in and He's of himself. He's a force and a brand in himself, right? Exactly. He really is. So, you know, personally, a brand, I'm always very interested in brands that are, are saturated, you know, uh, products that are, have market saturation. Like I used to sell cosmetics, right? I, I said that earlier. And so I'm very interested still in makeup and hair products and how they're marketing these and how do you capture 
the attention when there are so many, there's so many nail polishes, there's so many lipsticks. So there is a brand that I follow and that a bunch of my friends follow that we are just mesmerized by Trini Woodall, who has the brand Trini London. It's a cosmetic line out of London and it, it, she's got this great packaging where it pots and she stacks them, but I'm fascinated by her use of social media. She does a video almost every single morning that women tune into from all over the world. She is highly entertaining. She's an incredible content creator. And I bought her makeup. I mean, you know, I get makeup for free because I work at Variety and a lot of people send us stuff. <laughs> and I'm not that fussy. So I actually spent money and I thought, she has convinced me to spend money on her makeup. So I find her very interesting. I like to follow brands that have very strong use of social media. So so that's a brand I'm following. I haven't heard of her. I, I'm, I have to check her out. I'm, I'm afraid to tell the women in my house, though, that, 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 that they're... You'll be, you'll, the credit card is going to be rung up very soon. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Last question for you. What do you feel like is the largest opportunity or uh, threat to marketers today? Well, right now it's still COVID, I have to tell you. So I just got off the call today with a, I won't say which trade show, an enormous trade show, one of the biggest in the world. And it's like, what's the COVID strategy? How we can keep everybody COVID free? How do we, how do we keep moving forward? COVID has presented some certainly great challenges. And also there has been innovation around it, but how do we continue to move forward in this world where it doesn't seem like it's ending? Yeah, that's very true. Well, I hope for for all of our sakes in the world that it starts to come to an end at some point, but it is the never-ending story <laughs> lately. Dea, thank you for coming on the show and telling us about Variety and, and uh, your dual career and all things um, that we've talked about today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alan. I just I had such a fun time. I love to talk, in case it, that wasn't obvious. <laughs> Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. 